Dreams in every country. Dreams, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA. Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This is Dr. Tom Smiley at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory with this month's installment of the ISA podcast series. This series is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. This podcast series offers full-length educational talks by the world's top researchers, educators, and practitioners helping you to keep up to date with developments in the arboricultural industry. Today's talk is by Dr. Francis Swartza, a senior scientist with EMPA, the Swiss Federal Laboratory for Material Science and Technology. Dr. Swartza is widely published in high-impact international journals in many topics related to wood science. This podcast features his talk on in vitro screening of the antagonistic trichoderma strain. It was originally presented at the ISA International Conference in Parramatta, Australia in July 2011. First, I would like to apologize that you have to listen to me twice within uh, a couple of hours, um, but um, with, I'm, I'm sure I can present another very interesting lecture and I'm sure you're keen to hear about biological control because we all want to do things for trees. We want to try, we want to plant trees, we want to maintain their health, and especially in days where politically trees are, um, are moving out of the shadow and uh, obviously the politicians are aware that trees are carbon sinks and we can really profess, press our profession and the importance of trees using this issue. However, Trees are only carbon sinks as long as the wood is not being decomposed by decay fungi. That's why it's very important that we protect trees against wood decay fungi with biological agents such as trichoderma. What trichoderma is, how it works, how it can be applied, what are the constraints, because it doesn't work always, and that's a shortcoming of biocontrol. And the most important thing is, if you want to apply a biocontrol agent, don't simply buy a product off the shelf. You really have to screen and find an antagonist you can use for your target pathogen. Otherwise, it's not going to work, and you're going to discredit biocontrol. So, what are the advantages of biocontrol? Now, one Biggest, big advantage is selectivity. It does not intensify or create new pest problems. And this is often the case with biocides. With time, the pathogen develops resistance. There's no need to manufacture new chemicals. Control organisms will increase in number and spread the pest is unable to develop a resistance and control is self-perpetuating. Now, disadvantages, control can be slow. It is often 
uh, unpredictable and it is difficult and expensive to develop and supply. And very importantly, it requires expert supervision. Now, there are a great number of success stories in biocontrol. And I think actually the most dominant success stories you can find in the control of pests, of insects. So I'm sure you've heard some of these success stories, the application of green lacewing fly against aphids or the lady beetle or even the application of parasitic wasps. Great success stories. However, in agriculture, for a long time, there are a great range of enormous success stories. In America, especially, uh, Professor Hamann has developed a very competitive strain of trichoderma. He is using uh, against soil-borne pathogens on mice and, for example, soya bean. And with the application of trichoderma, actually, you can increase yields of up to 200%. And what I'd like to point out here is that trichoderma more recently has actually been classified as a symbiont, similar to a mycorrhiza fungi. The advantage is, however, that this symbiont also parasitizes pathogens. In Switzerland, we use trichoderma for control of gray mold on strawberry. I'm sure you all know this fungus. And what they do, it's a very simple, effective technique. They use trichoderma, and they take the trichoderma spores, put the spores in the beehive, and when the strawberry flower blossoms, the bees transmit the trichoderma spores to the flowers and protect the strawberry against the gray mold. So by using flying doctors, we can increase the strawberry yields by 20 to 30%. Now, what is trichoderma? <clears throat> trichoderma species are free-living fungi that are common in soil and root ecosystems. So what you see here is trichoderma growing on a stem. This is a decomposed wood. Typical for trichoderma is that the colony appearance is initially white. When it gets old, the fungus begins to sporulate and it turns blue and green. If you want to have a reference to the work by Hamann, who recently described that trichoderma is actually a symbiont and also a pathogen of a parasite of pathogens, here is uh, the publication. It was uh, published in a in a high impact journal, Nature Reviews Micro Microbiology. <clears throat> now, trichoderma species are mostly uh, belong to the genus Hypocrea, so the family of the Hypocreaceae, and these are asexual stages, sorry, trichoderma asexual stages of the genus Hypocrea. And here you can see some important species used for biocontrol, uh, trichoderma atrovirity, for example. This is perhaps the most studied species, actually. That's Trichoderma hartzianum. The product is called T22, and this is the Trichoderma strain that is used in America to suppress soil-borne pathogens on agriculture crops. There are a great range of different Trichoderma species. Uh, I'm conducting work in the tropics in the moment in Singapore, and we are isolating Trichoderma species with very uh, promising uh, features and a lot of these species haven't been described so far. 
here are some microscopic features of trichoderma. So they typically have septate hyphae, uh, rather large, and they have these uh, asexual conidiophores. They're well branched, and at the end of each of these conidiophores, uh, conidia, asexual spores, are abundantly produced, uh, often on these flask-like phialids. And uh, what you actually can see is that the spores are, are pigmented, they're brownish green, and this is why the colony of the fungus appears bluish green in pure culture. Very important for biocontrol is also the formation of so-called chlamydospores that allow the, um, the antagonist to survive in time and space under conditions that are not favorable. That's very important. If you want to, for example, apply trichoderma in the soil in Australia, you have drought periods and the antagonist has to be able to su survive in these drought periods. And this is only possible if the strain produces abundant chlamydospores. Now, there are a great range of mechanisms that trichoderma uses for biocontrol. And I will not have time to go into all these mechanisms in great detail. And actually, I think in regards to wood decay fungi, there are perhaps three mechanisms that are uh, most important. Uh, another mechanism which is obviously important for the living tree or plant is that trichoderma actually induces systemic acquired resistance. Now, I would like to talk briefly about this mechanism, mycoparasitism, antibiosis, and this is also a very important feature, competition for nutrients or space. I think they play the most important role in the control of wood decay fungi. So what you find with trichoderma is that it grows tropically towards high fear of wood decay fungi. It coils around them, and in a lectin-mediated reaction, cell walls of the target pathogen are degraded. You can see here trichoderma, hypha, growing on hyphae of a wood decay fungi. They actually build these apressoria-like structures, penetrate the hyphae of the pathogen, and dissolve them. What you see here is a, a dual culture test. So you take a Petri dish. On one side, you have the wood decay fungus. On one side, you have trichoderma. You let them grow together. This is after contact of the trichoderma hyphae that are stained dark blue. They're much broader than the hyphae of the wood decay fungi with the clamps, typical for basidiomyces. And this is after 24 hours. Can you see? All the hyphae of the wood decay fungi have been dissolved by trichoderma. So trichoderma lives off the wood decay fungi. What persists are the chlamydospores of the wood decay fungus, but these are then eventually are also uh, degraded. Here's an example for antibiosis. Trichoderma species may release antibiotics, for example, gliotoxine and viridine, and or volatile organic compounds that slow down or kill a, pro a pathogen in the vicinity of such a product. Now, what you can see here is uh, Rhizoctonia solani is a soil-borne fungus uh, on a normal growth media, and you can see uh, it grows fairly well. However, if you amend the media with gliotoxine, uh, a, uh, antibiotic derived from trichoderma, you see that growth is suppressed. Very important for any biocontrol agent that the biocontrol agent must be more competitive 
than the pathogen. It must be able to grow um, faster than the wood decay fungus. And I would like to show you what you generally see when you compare growth rates of trichoderma species and wood decay fungi. So this is growth of trichoderma after 24 hours and now after 48 hours. And in the same time, sorry, in the same time you see the growth, go back a bit, the growth of the wood decay fungus is much lower. Now this may be influenced by different temperatures. That's why when you conduct studies on growth rates, you have to also look at different extremes. So soils with a high moisture content or soils where you have severe drought because maybe trichoderma cannot grow under drought conditions and the decay fungus can grow perhaps quicker. So you have to amend your growth media to assess the impact of different moisture contents and temperatures. And I'll be showing you some results and how we do this later on. Now, I think the treatment of pruning wounds has always been an issue in agriculture. I myself, when I worked as an arborist, I remember in Austria, I was using lac balsam to treat wounds, but we had to, we had uh, no choice. We were told by the company to use lac balsam. Um, I personally didn't enjoy using it when you were climbing a tree because it was always quite a mess. And so I, I wasn't unhappy when Alex Shigo and co-workers showed with their data that uh, most uh, wound sealants do not really help or damage the tree. So at least in Germany, from one day to the next, people stopped using wound sealants. Another problem is wound with wound sealants is actually that they often have biocides. And in Germany, at least, legislation, with legislation, you have problems because wound treatment with chemicals is not always legally permitted in cities. Now, I'd like to point out that uh, biocontrol agents such as trichoderma, there's been research since 1974. Uh, so Dubois and Ricard, they conducted uh, trials on pruning wounds using trichoderma against silver leaf disease. They were actually the first people to develop a product, a BINAP, perhaps you heard of this. This was the first company to receive a registration for a biofungicide in the Western world. Portal and Trigo showed that actually trichoderma species can reduce uh, the number of uh, wood decay fungi colonizing wounds. A very important study by Kevin Smith, who is unfortunately not here, um, was that he showed that actually trichoderma counteracted modification of polyphenols by suppressing, by suppressing the growth of molds, of different molds. And this means trichoderma is actually protecting the host defense symptom of the tree, and we can, we've made uh, similar, we've had similar experiences with our trichoderma species. So there are a lot of really good examples showing that trichoderma actually works. And I've always asked myself, why on earth do arborists not use this biocontrol uh, microorganisms uh, more often? Or, and so at the moment, I'm sort of establishing project, projects. I've got projects in Brisbane and in Singapore where I'm trying to find good uh, trichoderma strains for different target fungi. Now, I mentioned BINAP was the first product, product that was developed. Uh, initially, they tried to find an uh, antagonist against Heterobasidium monosum, uh, a forest pathogen. Uh, I think they were 
less successful, and there may be a good reason for this, but against the wound parasite Condosterium porphyrian that occurs in fruit trees, they were very successful. Why do I believe biocontrol is so important? Well, when I started working in the field of biocontrol, and I supervised the PhD project, PhD project by Mark Schubert, that was just before I left Switzerland, uh, Germany to go to Switzerland, I had this sort of gut feeling that trichoderma may be required to suppress growth of wood decay fungi on urban sites simply because trichoderma is actually not present on urban sites. And I remember having discussions with my professor, Professor Fink at the time, and he always argued, well, if trichoderma, if biocontrol works, it's got to work naturally. And that's correct, and that may be the case in forests. But we conducted studies in Europe on different sites, and what we did, we principally treated different wounds, pruning wounds, with different spore suspensions of trichoderma. So we would use just trichoderma spores in water or water with sugar and a nitrogen source, or we'd use a hydrogel that would allow trichoderma to survive a lot longer on the pruning wound. So these are some pictures showing that we not only pruned smaller, uh, smaller wounds, but also larger wounds containing heartwood. And this is one limitation because trichoderma does not work in heartwood. So uh, some people were afraid if we come with a biocontrol method, uh, Germans would be starting to do flush cuts again because they could say, well, we've got this magic biocontrol method and, and we can make large wounds. So I would like to stress it doesn't work in hardwood. However, the most important aspect about this study, if we look at the different wounds we treated with different suspicions, these are the re-isolation rates after 2 to 30 months. Is that right? 36 months it should be. And what you can see is that when you apply the spores in the water storing, hy storing hydrogel, even after the 36 months, we had re-isolation rates of approximately 70%. Now, what you see down here, these are the control wounds. And the natural infec infection incidence of trichoderma in the control wounds is below 5%. This means with the trichoderma application, you've got a 65% better protection. So why doesn't trichoderma occur more often in controlled wounds? I can tell you why. Where on earth should trichoderma survive in cities? There's simply not a, uh, enough organic mass on the root plate, etc. So I think quite often the antagonists that are uh, really good and work well in forests are missing in the cities. And actually, I also believe that the fungi that occur on urban trees are often opportunistic, and our own studies show that they quite often cannot compete with trichoderma. And I'd like to give you an example to stress this point. Now, I'm sure you all know Ganoderma species, and in Europe, we're dealing with, in Central Europe, with mainly three different species that occur on urban trees. There's, for example, Ganoderma aspersum, uh, which uh, occurs on a range of urban trees. Uh, Ganoderma lipsiense, uh, which you find actually more pr uh, prominently in, in forests and woodlands, and Ganoderma resinaceum. Uh, quite difficult to differentiate uh, from one another, 
and on the basis of fruiting bodies or even on the basis of their sexual spores, their basidial spores. And so I had a PhD student, David Ferner, who developed a method of distinguishing between the three species in pure culture using the appearance of the hyphae, so Ganoderma aspersum, has hyphal strands at the periphery of the colony. Ganoderma lipsiense only forms single hyphae, has larger uh, diameter of hyphae, whereas Ganoderma resinaceum uh, produces these chlamydospores. Now, today, you would simply do a DNA fingerprint to distinguish the species, but at the time, we were not using this method. And actually, a lot of arborists in Germany, they say, well, Ganoderma is Ganoderma, let's condemn the tree. Simple as that, but I'll be showing you that they vary greatly in their invasiveness. And what we did is we conducted a simple study. So what you can see is a transfer section here of a decayed tree, it's a beech tree, and what you can see, see here is uh, the reaction cell, and this is where the host response system is counteracting the decay. And we simply take out a wood block, and this wood block has partly the reaction zone and partly uh, sound, healthy sapwood. We sterilize the wood, dip it into a heated wax paraffin, then we cut away the paraffin on the side to the reaction zone and place the wood blocks onto a pure culture of the different Ganoderma species. And you can see the decay fungus, we want the decay fungus to colonize the wood blocks via the reaction zones. And then we want to see, has the decay fungus got the potential to grow through these reaction zones? And if yes, how or which mechanisms does he uh, uh, use to penetrate the reaction zone? So behind these three wood blocks, you can still see the paraffin film over the wood blocks, we have uh, the effect of the different decay fungi. And you can see in the presence of polyphenols, the reaction zone, Ganoderma lipsiense cannot degrade this wood. Ganoderma resinaceum can degrade this wood moderately. Whereas Ganoderma aspersum, look how aggressive it is. It's degraded all the polyphenols and has defeated the reaction zone. So this appears to be uh, th this appears to show that Ganoderma lipsiense has a saprophytic growth mode, whereas Ganoderma aspersum is very invasive and shows a, is a perhaps a facultative parasite. The histological studies also confirmed Ganoderma lipsiense cannot degrade the polyphenolic deposits in the xylem rays even after eight weeks, whereas Ganoderma aspersum specifically degrades these deposits. Then we conducted a second test. What we did, we just simply used wood blocks without reaction zones. And what you can see now is a completely different picture. Ganoderma lipsiense, very aggressive, a very good decomposer in the absence of the reaction zone, whereas Ganoderma aspersum did not degrade the wood at all in the absence of polyphenols. And this isn't new. There are decay fungi out there. They thrive on polyphenols, and they're very invasive in the presence of polyphenols. So in my opinion, if you're dealing with hazardous trees, the tree will be able to compartmentalize Ganoderma lipsiense, but never, ever Ganoderma aspersum. And now I'll show you something that's really interesting. If you take, if you find Ganoderma aspersum on a living tree, fruiting bodies, and what you can sometimes observe, can you see this colony here? This is trichoderma, infecting a, 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 a fruiting body that is in a very, very good condition. 
And this is where I like to isolate trichoderma strains because this really shows this trichoderma strain must be uh, a good, very good mycoparasite or very good antagonist. And if you take, if you also make a culture of the Ganoderma aspersum species, the strain, and of trichoderma, and you do a dual culture test, so you inoculate a growth medium on the top with Ganoderma, on the bottom with trichoderma, you let them grow towards each other for four weeks. Trichoderma will eventually colonize Ganoderma aspersum. After four weeks, you take mycelial plugs out of these areas where the wood decay fungus was growing, and you place the plugs onto a media on which only the decay fungus can grow. And if you see the decay fungus doesn't grow out anymore, you have a 100% lethal effect. That's the first step of screening and identifying efficient antagonists. Now I'll show you what happens if you use Ganoderma lipsiense and trichoderma. Can you see this no one's, no one's land between the two fungi? Ganoderma lipsiense produces antibiotic biotic substances that suppress growth of trichoderma. Ganoderma lipsiense has adapted to trichoderma as a saprophyte. And this is what I'm saying. These opportunistic fungi that occur on urban trees, because we inflict bad wounds to large roots, for example, do not be able to, uh, seem not able to compete with trichoderma strains. And this is why I strongly believe we have to get these antagonistic trichoderma strains back into the city, back onto the trees and urban sites. And we've got to make sure that they can persist there. Now, we had a large project in Europe, and I was a bit disappointed because we had really good results against a range of target fungi. Kretschmaria diusta, for example, has no chance against trichoderma species, but also other white rot fungi, we had very good results. There were some white rot fungi that could resist um, trichoderma strains, but it never took off in Europe. For whatever reason, I do not know. Uh, now, what I would like to talk about today is biological control of the uh, fungus Phalinus noxious. This is also known as brown root rot in Brisbane. And this work wouldn't have been possible without the support of Brisbane City Council, especially T. Foster, and also NSPEC, Craig Hallam. Um, it would never have been possible. Now, the problem is that Phalinus noxious, I believe, is very similar to Ganoderma aspersum. We know that it causes great problems in, in Asia and different parts like Malaysia or Thailand, especially with oil palm, where it occurs on disturbed sites. Interesting again, in, on sites that uh, have a great biodiversity and not, are not disturbed, Phalinus noxious does not cause any problems. So I again believe it is an opportunist, but it's causing severe damage to um, veteran trees in Brisbane. And as they are not allowed to use biocides, and actually the use of biocides has not worked in Asia, but interesting, although oil palm is such an important crop, no one has ever looked at biocontrol measures. People discuss about it in their publications, but they have never looked at using antagonists. Now, I think when you're trying to understand uh, how you can, uh, or how a, a pathogen behaves, and what are perhaps the weak 
points of a pathogen and how does decay develop, I think you should always ask yourself, the first question is, which hosts are susceptible? Because sometimes just by selecting the right host, you can select trees that are not susceptible to, get to decay. And also you can change the environmental conditions. Some wood decay fungi thrive on certain soils better than on other soils. I'll be showing you some examples. And also what we want to do with biocontrol is reduce the infectious material of uh, the pathogen in the soil. So if we look at susceptibility, actually the USDA RS systematic botany and mycological laboratory retains a website with an updated list of hosts and information on the geographical distribution of Phyllinus noxious and actually um, a range of other wood decay fungi. And this species has 223 hosts. So it's obviously very difficult uh, uh, just to change the, uh, the tree species in a city. So some of the most notable include Magahoni, teak, rubber, oil palm tea, coffee and cocoa, as well as a variety of fruit, nut, and ornamental trees. Not much we can do there. However, this is interesting. Chang, in 1996, looked at conditions favoring disease, and he found that no Felinus noxious was recovered from soils containing infested root debris after one month of flooding. And this correlates nicely with the fact that uh, if you have a look at disease incidence of Felinus noxious on different soils, you can see that Felinus noxious predominantly occurs on sandy soils, and the more clay you find in the soil, the greater growth is suppressed. And what's, what I found astonishing, in Brisbane, the fungus occurs predominantly on clay soils. And this is a contradiction. I'll be explaining to you later why I believe this is occurring. What we want to do with biocontrol agents, obviously if you have a pathogen in the soil like Amalaria, it's the same approach as to reduce the infectious material. So remove, excavate roots or dig trenches and uh, put in root barriers to stop the fungus spreading. I, from my experience, I find that decay fungi that um, have adapted that uh, occur in natural forests like Amalaria or Heterobasidium anosum have adapted their antagonists. Uh, Heterobasidium grows via root contacts from uh, tree to tree, uh, whereas Amalaria uses the rhizomorphs that are often uh, morphologically protected against their antagonists. However, there are some studies more recently in New Zealand, for example, uh, where the mortality of fruit trees uh, sorry, of penis uh, radiata have been reduced by 30% due to nursery inoculation uh, with trichoderma species. So there are some promising signs that trichoderma is even working there. And what I would like to show you now, principally the objectives of our investigations in Brisbane, we wanted to compare the growth rates of endemic trichoderma species. This is very important. We have some very good European strains, but you cannot introduce a European strain to uh, Australia. We, uh, in our studies, we included a European strain just as benchmark study, as a benchmark product to compare what happens. And it's interesting, it'll be interesting to show you what happens. But we compared predominantly endemic trichoderma species uh, 
and also isolated important Polinus noxious strains and Ganoderma australi, uh, and we compared them under different environmental conditions. We evaluated the antagonistic potential of different trichoderma species against Felinus noxious and Ganoderma australi, and we wanted to identify competitive species that can be used for the treatment of root-inhabiting fungi. And in the past in Europe, we've worked with pruning wounds, and actually, trichoderma is a fungus that thrives in soil, so I think it is a lot easier to apply the species against soil-borne fungi. So we compared the growth rates of uh, different trichoderma strains. We compared them with uh, the growth rates of the target pathogens. We uh, evaluated the antagonistic potential of the different trichoderma species, and we identified the competitive species. The approaches were we used bioassays to evaluate growth rates under different environmental conditions. We assessed the effect of volatile organic compounds of trichoderma uh, against wood decay fungi. We conducted dual culture tests on MEA, and we also evaluated, this is the most important step, the antagonistic activity in wood. The tree species we looked at were Araucaria bidwillii, Delonyx regia, Ficus benjamina, and Jacaranda mimosifolia. And these are our target pathogens, Phalinus noxious, we also included Ganoderma australi. I think in regards to the impact on uh, the strength and stability of trees, actually Ganoderma, the Ganoderma species play a far greater role in Australia. And even Craig Hallam got involved. I've almost turned, in, turned him into a mycologist. You can see him pouring petri dishes with artificial media for the studies. These are the species we started off with. Important, this is a benchmark product, a species we use in Europe, uh, tri Trichoderma atraviridae, a highly antagonistic species you can apply to pruning wounds in Europe. Then we have a range of species we either collected uh, in Brisbane or we um, um, bought from culture connections throughout Australia. And here are the wood decay fungi, different strains of Phalinus noxious and one strain of Ganoderma australi. Here are just some pictures showing you the typical appearance of the cultures of Phalinus noxious, here Ganoderma australi, the different trichoderma strains we use for our studies, so they do vary. Uh, we have had two species of Trichoderma hartzianum, one species of Trichoderma atraviridae, and two other strains. What we did before we got started, we principally did a finger, DNA fingerprint of each species, of trichoderm species and wood decay fungi just to be sure that we are dealing with the correct species. And the approach is simply to uh, take the DNA you win uh, during uh, the production, uh, the polymerase chain reaction. We amplify the DNA with PCR. You get the bands which shows you that you, the protein is clean. Then you principally take the DNA product, the PCR product, and uh, you let a company sequence the DNA, and then you get a code bar. And with the code bar, you can do a basic local alignment search. This is called BLAST, and then this uh, identifies the species, the, gen the genus at the species level. And so we had to uh, 
make some small amendments with the trichoderma species. So these are the cor correct identifications, um, but with all the wood decay fungi, uh, we were correct, and these were the species we used, and we have also deposited the sequences in the gene bank, and so they're available for everyone. So the first thing you do when you want to find a, a, a competitive antagonist against a target pathogen, you evaluate growth rates under different environmental conditions. You want to show that the antagonist can grow quicker than the target pathogen under different environmental uh, extremes. Uh, so here are the different temperatures where we ch assess growth rates. 20, 25, 30, and 35 degrees Celsius. Uh, I think the, the mean temperature in Brisbane throughout the year is around 25 degrees Celsius. But very importantly, we also assessed uh, growth at different temperatures and different water activities. So this would be a very high water activity on a very humid day, and this would be a low uh, water activity during periods of drought. And what you can actually see is, obviously, wood, uh, wood decay fungi thrive uh, very well at uh, high temperatures, not too high, so around 30 degrees Celsius. You can see the growth declines uh, at 35 degrees Celsius and at the high water activity. You can see that Phalinus noxious hardly grows at, uh, in a medium with a very low water activity. So it seems to be very susceptible to drought. It may be able to survive under these conditions, but it does not seem to grow. Here are just two examples showing you the growth rates of Ganoderma australis at different temperatures and different water activities. And you can see at low water activities, even with low temperatures, it does not grow at all, whereas uh, it shows a preference at uh, 35 degrees Celsius and at a high water activity. So you have growth rates here of six uh, millimeters a day. If we compare this with Phalinus noxious, again, the highest growth rate was at uh, a temperature of 30 degrees Celsius and at the highest water activity. Uh, for this strain, Phalinus noxious 178, and you can see at the lowest water activity, it would not grow at all. Now this is interesting if you compare the growth rates with uh, those of uh, the trichoderma species. And actually, you can see even at the lowest water activity, all trichoderma strains, perhaps with the exception of the European trichoderma strain, uh, were growing really well. Slowly, but they were still growing. And also at uh, high temperatures and high water activities, they, they can very clearly outstrip uh, Phalinus noxious. So this is an example showing the European strain we used as benchmark, and you can see there was no growth whatsoever, 35 degrees Celsius, and also growth declined at low water activity. Whereas, have a look at uh, this uh, Australian trichoderma strain. It's got a growth rate of two centimeters. That's really quick, two centimeters a day, uh, even at temperatures of 35 degrees Celsius, and even uh, under very low water activity. And this is what we're looking for. We're looking uh, for an antagonist that can outstrip strip the pathogen uh, in these uh, extreme uh, temperatures and low water activities. So this is a, a diagram showing the growth rates of all fungi we've looked at. I'll just jump over it. 
just to show that we, we uh, it's a, a tremendous amount of work making these measurements. But to, to show you how efficient trichoderma is, I would like to show the differences in mean growth rate of all wood decay fungi and trichoderma species under different conditions. And what you see here, growth rates of trichoderma were used as a reference, 100%. Negative values of Felinus noxious strains indicate slower, positive values more rapid growth. So you can principally see all, almost all, under all conditions, the values were negative. So trichoderma, you can see here, 100% uh, negative for the wood decay fungus at, uh, in very dry conditions and under very favorable conditions. Trichoderma has an advantage of 61.43%. So there's only one very small area where Felinus noxious could compete with the trichoderma strains here, which is good news. So the next stop was, next step after doing this, because principally, if you start off and you show that uh, a trichoderma stain cannot grow as quick as a Felinus noxious stain or targeting pathogen, you can rule out and you don't have to test this stain, strain any further. So the next thing you do is principally test the volatile organic compounds. And what you principally do, you uh, allow trichoderma to grow over a petri dish. This takes two or three days' time. And then you take the wood decay fungus, the petri dish, and put it simply, place it carefully onto the strain of trichoderma. And you uh, will see that actually if the trichoderma strain produces lots of volatile organic compounds, here's a control. Here's uh, in the presence of volatile organic compounds, you see the growth is uh, in clearly inhibited by trichoderma. Again, you get results, and unfortunately, I must say, the only strain that produced significant amounts of volatile organic compounds and significantly suppressed growth of, of Felinus noxious strains and Ganoderma species was our European strain uh, that we've used uh, for pruning wounds. Uh, we do have some one strain here of uh, Australian trichoderma strain that, that suppressed growth of one isolate of Felinus noxious, but in general, uh, I was a bit surprised that the Australian strains did not seem to produce large amounts of volatile organic compounds. The next step would be to conduct the dual cultures test. I've already described this, so you have your trichoderma strain on one side, on the other side you have your wood decay fungus. They grow towards each other and you can uh, observe different interactions. This is an interaction you observed uh, previously. Remember Ganoderma lipsiensa and trichoderma. So this is when this interaction zones occurs. This is, this is an indication that uh, some antibiotic products are being developed. So it's a, a sign for antibiosis. This is what we want to see. We want to see trichoderma grow over the colony of the wood decay fungus and parasite the wood decay fungus. But sometimes we can actually observe that the wood decay fungus will grow over uh, the colony of the trichoderma strain, which is obviously bad news. So after four weeks uh, watching, observing these interactions, you then simply take different mycelial plugs out of the area where the de wood decay fungus previously grew and assess, you assess the lethal effect of trichoderma. So here's some pictures just indicating different interactions. So this is a, a weak interaction between trichoderma and a Felinus noxious strain. Here you can see 
fairly good interaction, so trichoderma is growing over the Felinus noxious strain, and here you can see it's clearly strongly growing over the culture of Felinus noxious. And by doing this, you get results, and our results showed, and we managed to pick up one trichoderma strain we isolated in Brisbane on the 12th of October 2009. Uh, we can see that in almost all cases, we had a 100% lethal effect. Now, unfortunately, uh, the next step is to test microparasitism in wood, and these results, I do not have them yet. We're going to have them in August, but this is the most promising strain we found. Um, we can also see that all the other trichoderma species did have an effect. They uh, had an effect around 60% or 30%, so they all did manage to suppress growth of Felinus noxious. However, what you really want to see is values like this, where you have a, a, an effect that is around, uh, where you have a 100% lethal effect. So the last step in selecting um, trichoderma strain is you assess whether the microparatism you could find on the artificial growth media is also present within the wood. So you sterilize wood blocks, you take wood blocks, pre-treat them with trichoderma, you have control wood blocks that are incubated only with Felinus noxious. By doing this, you get an idea of the weight losses, decomposition rates the fungus has on control samples. But what you then eventually do, you take these pre-treated wood blocks, place them onto a culture of Felinus noxious, and what you then observe is the reduction in decay that is caused by the pre-treatment of trichoderma. And we end up with a large amount of uh, data uh, showing you different weight losses. And here again, I must say, the most convincing results we obtained, you see the two stars every time, you see the two stars, they indicate a highly significant reduction in uh, wood decomposition rate by trichoderma. We do see also a significant effects uh, for the different tree species uh, against Felinus noxious, but the picture is not as clear as with uh, the Ganoderma australe strain. Uh, what these results also show, and perhaps this is interesting for arborists in Australia, is that in some tree species, you have very, very high weight losses. Delonyx regia seems to be very susceptible to decay, whereas, can you see Araucaria bidwillii, the wood is more or less resistant to decay. Um, actually, from the trees we studied, the lowest, lowest weight losses we could find in, in Jacaranda, uh, Mimosifolia, and in Ficus benjamina. Now, reasons for this, I personally believe and know that white rot fungi, a range of white rot fungi, have not really adapted to wood of conifers. This will explain the low weight losses in uh, Araucaria. This is related to the fact that uh, these fungi are predominantly uh, adapted to tropical wood species with a low guaisalignin content, whereas uh, the wood of conifers, also of Araucaria, has a high guaisalignin content. And as I already mentioned before, Delonyx regia seems to be a very susceptible wood species, and even in the presence of the trichoderma strains we've studied so far, uh, uh, wood decomposition could not be significantly reduced. So in summary, the different trichoderma species all showed an antagonistic potential against Felinus noxious in the in vitro studies. 
All trichoderma species and wood decay fungi showed an optimum growth rate at mean temperature of 25 to 30 degrees Celsius in the high water activity. At 35 degrees Celsius and at the low water activity, no growth was recorded for all wood decay fungi after one week, whereas most trichoderma species were still actively growing. Box produced by the European strain trichoderma at Treviridae strongly inhibited growth of all wood decay fungi. Microparasitism in the wood of different trichoderma species against all wood decay fungi varied depending on the specific wood species. And Phalinus noxious, that's the strain 169, strongly decomposed untreated and pretreated wood of Delonix regia, whereas weight losses of Ficus benjamina and Jacaranda mimosifolia pretreated with trichoderma species were significantly lower. The in vitro studies show that trichosterma species can be used to significantly inhibit growth and wood decay of different Phalinus noxious strains. We're still waiting for the results of this very promising strain. Uh, I personally believe we may have to uh, screen for uh, a range of other trichoderma uh, species. And uh, I think we really have to start off perhaps with 20, 30 species. That's something we're doing in Singapore at the moment. Uh, and then you would perhaps end up with five really promising trichoderma strains. Future work, we will continue screening for ende endemic trichoderma species that have a high antagonistic potential against Phalinus noxious and Ganoderma species. We will test the rhizosphere competence of trichoderma species on tree sites infested with Phalinus noxious and establish a method that promotes colonization and survival of selected trichoderma strains in the soil. Thank you very much. This concludes Francis Swartz's talk on in vitro screening of an antagonistic trichoderma strain. If you would like to learn more about decay and fungi, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including Dr. Schwartz's book, Diagnosis and Prognosis of the Development of Wood Decay in Urban Trees, and Chris Lulie's book titled Wood Decay Fungi. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, the code is SA2893. Again, SA2893. If you have recommendations for future topics to be covered in this podcast series, please contact the ISA at elearning at isa-arbor.com. Thank you for listening to this episode, which was brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. This is Tom Smiley at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory, reminding you to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country, trees you know we can. Work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA.